Welcome to the Maintainable Nails Podcast, where we explore the art of healthy and sustainable nail care with both industry experts and best-in-show upkeepers. I'm your host, Robbie Russell. On this episode, we speak with the acclaimed author and speaker, Shannon Jackson. Shannon is originally from Omaha, Nebraska, and joins us from a secret location today in the Pacific Northwest. Shannon Jackson, welcome to Maintainable Nails. I'm so glad to be here. You know, as you reflect on your time on the planet, what do you, if you were to describe well-maintained or maintainable nails, what words would you use to, to describe that? That's a great question. I think that truly maintainable nails are ones that can exist in the life that you have, not in the life that you want. So especially when you're talking about length or what your approach is to polish or dip or stickers or anything like that, you have to make sure that you're making nails for the environment that you're actually in. Um, So if you do a lot of dishes, if you do, Mm. you know, a lot of work with your hands, that's really going to affect your nail journey. That's an interesting point. I hadn't heard it kind of expressed that way before. And it gets me wondering kind of about thinking about like, there are people that definitely will get their nails done or do their nails themselves, you know, and we'll get into that topic itself. And it's very contentious there, but in terms of ruminating on like who you aspire to be. So like, if you're getting ready to go out for a big event, but you're also, you might want to get prepared for that. And that might be part of your planning. You know, your errands are going to run and you'll get, you're going to do your nails or whether you do, again, we'll talk about that topic later, but you may think, well, I need something short term for the weekend for that event, but you know, you're going to come back home at some point. So how do you kind of weigh that up and decide, well, I don't want to make it such a really long-term decision. I want to keep this kind of, do you, do you make those short-term cuticle deck? Cuticle. Ooh, yes. I like that. Yeah. I think that especially for like short-term events, press-ons are a great option for that because then you don't have to commit to that length long-term. They're also a lot better for the health of your base nail than adding like an acrylic to add length. There are a lot of options that are very versatile. So you can use a shellac, for example, which allows you to have sort of the glitter and glam of a fancy manicure, but will still hold up to the day-to-day. But a press-on, for example, you might just have that for the party. And then when you wake up the next morning, half the nails are in your bed. It's interesting. They kind of will just disembark from their journey on their own, which is kind of nice. Do you, have you ever found someone else's nail in a bed? Not in the bed, but I'm finding them on the street constantly. I don't know if I just have my eyes out for them or what, but there's a lot of gutter nails. Interesting. I wonder if it's like one of those things where like when you buy a certain type of car, like you, know, you get a white car or you, you buy a Subaru because you live in Portland, Oregon or something and everybody here has a Subaru. I have a Subaru. And then you start noticing everybody has a Subaru. Um, is it kind of maybe a similar thing with when it comes to nails? Yeah. You see the one on the ground and you think, oh no, is that my fingernail? And then you're like, no, 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 never mind. You know, I know that, you know, given your background in the industry, um, I know you recently published an article in Nail Art Pro magazine titled Barnacle Theorem, what they didn't teach you about erosion in nail school. Could you kind of provide the um, our listeners with a little bit of a high-level overview of what the synopsis of that article was? Sure. I really think it's about education when you get down to it uh, in terms of longevity and maintainability of the base nail, which is really the healthy foundation for the entire, for everything that's going on with your hands, really. And I think that really we have a responsibility as nail techs 
to educate the people whose nails we're doing and educate ourselves on what's the healthiest for the nail and the cuticles themselves. Do you work with pets at all or types of animals, livestock at any capacity? Absolutely. I think dog nails are really ignored in our industry, both as something that is worthy of a real decadent nail treatment and also something where we're just doing the what is necessary for a dog's health, really. And, you know, you don't have to get fancy with it. You don't have to do a full dip for a dog's fingernails, but, you know, a little grind, a little polish, they deserve that. And it's really going to help them with the long-term health. I know that in some circles, people will talk about, you know, like, well, how do, how do animals, like say a dog normally take care of their own nails if they didn't have like an owner or um, whatever the politically correct term is these days in terms of a guardian, you know, like dogs are, you know, in the wild, like a, like a wolf or a coyote, like they must take care of their nails in their own capacity or they're always keeping them sharp or whatever. And you know, they'll get long and me, or is it more of a, you know, the day-to-day life of a pet dog is going to be very different wandering around a carpet or hardwood. I know hardwood floors can be very damaging on nails, but also on the hardwood floors, which is why I don't have a dog in, wow, I have a hardwood floor. So I just, I had to part ways with my dog. It was a really nice apartment. But I know that nail care for dogs can be traumatic for for both the dog and for the human. I remember I had a, a dog named Nigel many years ago. I, I clipped two short ones and it was, and he yelped. And, you know, I still think about that. And like, that was traumatic for both of us, I'm sure. But like the, it's definitely something you don't want to mistakenly do, but like as someone that works with nails for dogs on a regular basis, like how do you know how far is enough to go without kind of exceeding past that Yelp point? Yeah, this is absolutely a domestication issue in the wild. They would be wearing those nails down naturally by lots of running and lots of interacting with nature and the ground and a domesticated dog just doesn't live that high stress of a life. And so their nails end up growing really the quick, which is what, when you clip it and they yelp and possibly bleed, that's really what you want to avoid. A great option for this is to get a hand Dremel, like used Mm. for crafts, give the dog a couple of treats and just sort of round out the nail on a regular basis. Then you're not clipping, you're not getting near that vein, you're not going to make them yelp. And really it's just, it's sort of like a little spa day for them. Mm. They get a lot of attention from you, a lot of treats. It does create a lot of dust, a lot of nail dust, which kind of has like a Frito smell, which you don't want um, to inhale. Well, I'd imagine, and you mentioned, you know, dealing with the nail dust type of challenge that nail techs deal with is the, you know, there's a vacuum, like, you know, like dentists have like the little suction things, you know, in your mouth as they're putting spring water in there. And I'm, like that seemed like a lot of effort just to take, I could spit the water out if you asked me to, but fine, sure. Yeah. Just suck it out. I keep ruminating on this idea about like how nails with dogs and cats and like they are different types of nails for sure. So do you find yourself kind of like cats or it's, they scratched and so there's definitely a consensus on like, we need to keep them maintained so that, you know, reduces scratching of furniture and things like that. Dogs aren't necessarily the same way. Um, do dogs like, have you ever met a dog that was known to have bite his own nails on a regular basis? I haven't. I do know a lot of cats that bite their nails, um, which is a real issue if you are using acrylics on your cats, which has been a pretty popular alternative to declawing, which 
in the nail community, we're very anti-declawing in the same way that we are anti-cutting off people's fingers. However, I do think that if the dogs would just get around to, you know, taking care of themselves in that way, then it would really take down the barrier of pet ownership and allow you to have dogs with your hardwood floors. That's true. Culturally, at least in the United States, we buy a lot of dog food in bags and they're, it's already kind of broken down to small bites. And I know in the wild, they'll have to use their claws to help kind of tear things up a little bit and their canine teeth and such. But given that, you know, I feel like if dogs were able to take care more of that themselves, they could potentially, we could reduce some of the cutting down of some of the manufacturing, which would reduce the cost of the food that we're manufacturing them for them in the first place. We could also start cutting some vitamins out of their dog food. Um, all the B7, vitamin H, those are the sorts of vitamins that cause nail to grow. So if we just gave them something that was a little lower in healthy vitamins, we could make their nails more brittle and really cut down on this issue. That's interesting. Another topic that I was really looking forward to speaking with you about was, you know, we touched a little bit on the article you had written for Nail Art Pro magazine about, you know, erosion, barnacle theorem. But I wonder if, you know, as you reflect on yourself, like, what's it like keeping upkeep on like an infant's nail situation? Honestly, it's terrible, Robbie. Their fingers are so small. And so as the nails grow, Within literal days, you can go from nails that are cut too short to nails that can scratch. Mm-hmm. And they're very opposed to getting their nails trimmed in any way. So a good trick for tiny humans, which can even work for adults who have nail anxiety, is to wait until they're sleeping and mm-hmm. maybe even attached into their car seat because then they're restrained and you can use both of your hands on their fingers and on their feet. Interesting. Um, as they get older and they sort of stop that car napping and, and you, it's harder to restrain them legally, uh, I find that lots, in the same way as with dogs, lots of treats and holding, um, allowing some extra screen time, which I think even in the adult nail work world, we use daytime television and allowing people to have their phones, just sort of a distraction from the uh, slightly intense and sometimes bloody process that we're subjecting them to. Do you have your own regimen that you follow on a regular basis? Is it like on the calendar? Do you have like your own kind of spa day that you try to, like it's Shannon's day to take care of my nails? What does that look like? That's a great question. So I use nail stickers mostly because I am a woman on the go and they're the quickest to get on. They don't have any dry time. So I usually just set up my entire, my system, get out my stickers, stick them on my fingernails, then do a clear coat over the whole thing. Nail stickers are not as damaging as an acrylic or even a shellac polish, but I do like to do a week in between the stickers with just a nice layer of like an argon oil or something to sort of give it a healing cycle so that I'm not constantly applying and removing things that might damage the base nail. Do you subscribe to the belief that we are covering our nails to hide what's under our nails from ourselves? You know, people that don't put nail polish on or color it or stickers or what have you, like they're kind of willfully 
ignorant about what's underneath. Do you feel like that's something you ever really confronted with yourself? I do think that there is a lot of class issues associated with nails as to how dirty they are, how bad your cuticles are, are really saying how often you have to work with your hands and what sort of duties you have to do with your hands. But in modern times, uh, it's really an expression of your style and your gender identity and just sort of your level of, you know, care for that particular part of your body. And unlike makeup or hair, it is an art form that you can do that will last multiple days or even mm. weeks. And unlike tattoos, it's not permanent. I, I like the way you're kind of explaining that and just knowing that it's not a permanent decision you're making and it's a way to express yourself. And, you know, there's a lot of cultural norms that align with and without nails, nail decor, um, or art, would you consider yourself an artist or do you feel like you're, this is more of a kind of like a craft that you're part of? And like, I'm going to say that still sounds like art, but, um, in a professional capacity, like you're a tradesperson, um, not a trying to express yourself on other people's nails versus say your own. That's a great question. And I think that nail tech can be an art certainly, but overwhelmingly you are sort of fulfilling the needs of your customer. So if they come in and they ask for pink, you're not going to paint them black with foils. You're going to do the thing that they ask you to do. So it's sort of like working in commissions as an artist. Mm. Sometimes you get to create something really amazing. Sometimes it's really about trust. Once you get that client to trust you, then you can really make some wild decisions with them. And it's much more of a collaboration in terms of what they're willing to do, how far you're willing to go. And if you're willing to spend like six or seven hours painting someone's fingernails. Yeah. It's a very pragmatic way to kind of approach that. And as a layman myself, I'm mean, just thinking about how I would want to have a, a relationship before I said with that person be like, before I just kind of give you control over the art direction here or direction of how fingers or toes or both would go, I would want to know that I, you can do the base level of the work. And do you find, how do you find when someone's like pick comes to you and they're very prescriptive about the work that they want done? And you're just thinking like, that is not going to be a good color palette for you. How do you navigate that for, for other people who are listening that may be thinking, I've been in that situation where I'm like, oh, I don't know about that lime green situation and those stickers like they don't really complement each other overall and like trust me like in that specific brand it's not going to last more than like three or four days like before you start noticing some um mold i think everyone really just wants a good value for their dollar even the high-end clients so if there is an issue with you know it's not going to be as versatile it's not going to be as flattering i do try to find a nice way to point that out to them or really just lead them in more of the direction of wouldn't these colors be pretty together? This one would really go well with your skin tone. Everyone appreciates that sort of thing that you're paying attention to them and not just giving them exactly what they want, showing off the fact that you are really the expert. But at the end of the day, it is their fingernails and they are paying me. So if they're asking for a lime green and it doesn't look good with their skin tone, I just go for it. And then if they, at the end of the appointment, if they really say, you know, that's not really a flattering color, then I lead them to more like, well, we could add foils or a glitter on top of that. And then, you know, sort of use my expertise to advise them something that's really going to cover up the line. 
you know, when I was hoping if we have a few minutes here, one of the last few questions I want to touch on is I know that, you know, we're recording this in the middle of a pandemic and that probably disrupted your work environment just as much as everybody else's in some capacity. And you were an early innovator with the virtual um, application approach. And so how have you been able to guide people through their own, like at home, like, do you send them materials and then you kind of coach them through it over like a webcam type series? Like, how do you do that? Like, I'm sure it's not as effective, but, and I know that I've talked to some people in the industry who are talking, who mentioned that for those that have been able to start resuming in person ones, they've actually really appreciated having masks on because when people would come in and ask for the thing that wasn't going to be flattering, they didn't have to express, like hold back a, you know, an expression on their face, like, and to upset the, their client, not that you want to laugh at your client very often, you know, but it does happen from time to time, I'm, I'm assuming. So, um, heck, you probably can't hold back a laugh over webcam, right? Right. Well, with the webcam consultations, it really is more of a consultation. Show mm-hmm. me what you have and what your skills are, and we can just build those skills for when you're doing it at home. And then the nice thing is, is that's building a relationship, which is really in, in a lot of the service industries, that's really the reason why people are coming to you. It is about your artistry. It is about what you can do. It is about your prices, but it is an engagement and an investment in you. So by saying, you know, these are the polishes you have, these are how you should use them. This is how you can improve your technique. It kind of, carried that relationship over. And then once they were able to come back to me in person, the thing that I was able to offer them was a higher level of skill and just like a moment of self-care and indulgence, which they were not really getting at home. I do really love having masks. It protects me from that Frito dust that we were talking about. And yeah, I've learned to control my eyebrows and my eyes, but my mouth can be doing whatever behind that mask is really helping my business and my tips, I think. Well, Shannon, I really appreciate you coming on Maintainable Nails and talking shop with us and sharing your wisdom and experience. If if you could recommend one book for listeners, what would that be? (sighs) I think if I was going to recommend one book, it would be Untamed by Glennon Doyle. It doesn't talk about nails explicitly, but the cover is very pretty and Mm. I've been using it a lot as an inspiration. Excellent. Well, I'll include links to that in the show notes for everybody. And thanks again, Shannon, for talking shop with us on Maintainable Nails. Thank you so much for having me.